We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? What's up? Welcome to Casual Friday Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. You can find me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. And I'm excited. I'm always excited to have Joe Yerdon on for Casual Friday. It's always my favorite show of the week. We talk Bill Sabres. We have a draft. It's always fun. This week, too, is uh, a little bit of a bonus. Right now, you're probably listening to this, but I will say this for the first time, literally ever since I've started this podcast four years ago, I am going to put this entire episode out on video, YouTube. It'll be out Friday morning at some point. I'll talk about that in a second. But anyway, Joe Yurden, co-host of the Maintenance Day podcast, alongside Lance Lazowski of the Buffalo News, hockey writer, good buddy of mine, recurring guest on this show, Casual Friday co-host. What's going on, buddy? How you doing? I'm I'm doing great. You made me actually have to like throw a shirt on this time because I'm <laughs> doing video. I I don't need to be painting that picture for everybody at home, but uh, yeah. So I had to I had to do things do things a little bit better this time. I'm not no. I'm I'm just joking. I I get dressed to do every podcast. Just usually I wear a suit. This time I'm just wearing a t-shirt. So yeah, you, know. you look good though, buddy. You look good. <laughs> Let me just say this for people because. Again, the majority, the vast majority of people are listening to this podcast. And quite frankly, hopefully that continues. We've talked about this a little bit before on previous episodes. I prefer personally everyone listens to the show, Mm -hmm. but we've been working towards adding some video elements to the show. And obviously, again, that time is now. I get asked all the time, you know, what why don't you have any video? There's still people out there that don't really know what a podcast is as crazy as that might sound in 2022 how is that possible i have all right all right let me rephrase it everybody knows what a podcast is let let me take that back let me walk that back a a little bit here there's a lot of people in fact a lot of friends of mine who they don't listen to podcasts because they just don't have the apps or they don't bother to look up the apps you know like whether it's apple or spotify Mm -hmm. people still like and some people just would rather visually watch something as opposed to you know, listening to something on their phones. So I knew this was coming. And again, I'm not going to put every episode out on YouTube. This is mainly for, uh, we'll put up clips. We'll do some original content mm-hmm. on this YouTube channel, which by the way, talking about flow podcast, YouTube channel. So go ahead and subscribe to that. But again, I, I get asked this all the time. So the main reasons why we're starting to do video now is 
I want to add some elements to the show that we haven't had before. Um, but again, not all episodes will be out there. But and yeah, ha- again, you have to nowadays. Name me a podcast right now that really doesn't have any video. That's good. Uh, There's not a lot of them. I, I could name one. What what is that? It's maintenance it's day maintenance, with maintenance day. Day with <laughs> and Lance Lazowski. But for the most part, they are there. So you know, you have to nowadays. And plus now doing video stuff and just having a, a webcam and some lighting gives me an opportunity to start jumping on some other shows to talk sports and help promote this podcast that I really haven't done before because I had the worst webcam in the history of the world and just some really bad bedroom lighting. So I would always blow it off and, and make an excuse. But again, not all video, not all these episodes are going to be out on video. Some will. I still want people to listen first and foremost but if you're not going to listen on apple or spotify and it's either youtube or nothing cool then you can watch <laughs> you know these full episodes uh here i might not have the time to it takes time to put this stuff out you know that it takes uh, mm-hmm. some energy and i might not always have that so audio is still the only place where you're going to hear every episode in its entirety but anyway on that note but, man but if you don't listen on the podcast formats you have to deal with looking at us so you know yeah, yeah. just you know that's the sacrifice you have to make <laughs> And this is going to be warts and all. So there's no editing. You know, uh, I got to work on some things too, because it's a process. You know, this. you've done oh, yeah. lots of radio and you've done TV spots. You've done a lot of video stuff. There's mm-hmm. a big difference between audio and visual. And I got some stuff that I need to work on. This is like my rookie year doing this uh, video stuff on podcasts. One of the things I do personally, not, and I can tell you're a lot more polished than I am with this. I move my head around a lot. I'm a head jerker. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I jerk You're my head body around talker. a lot. Yeah, I am. I'm a body talker. I use my hands, which is, that's fine. But when I'm always doing this and moving my neck and stuff, like I just did on purpose there, it's something I need to, uh, I need to work on. So it's going to be a process for me, but a fun one, man. I'm looking forward to doing some of this stuff on, on video. Yeah, it's, you know, I, I, as if you're watching the video, just put, just saw me mute my mic so I could cough. So you can see how many times we, we <laughs> save you from hearing gross bodily sounds like coughing and sneezing and, you know, gasping for air and looking for water to, to, to make ourselves feel better. Although you get to watch us drink water. Hey, what a bonus, everybody. <laughs> All right. So I do want to jump right into today's topics. Again, we like always, we got a lot of Bills stuff. I mean, it's a, a big week for the Buffalo Bills. We'll talk some Sabres. Is We're going to do is it a sort big of. week for the Bills? Or it's sort of a big week for the Bills. Okay. It's a big week for our starting five weekly draft, too. It We're is. doing musicals this week, something that I, I busted your balls a little bit on Twitter earlier this week. And you got me good. I, I somebody suggested that this one, I can't remember. I think it was, was Matt Perino's wife suggested musicals, yes. Yeah, it or, was. Yeah, okay. It was. It was. It, it was Miss Perino. She she uh suggested this. And I and I jokingly said, Joe doesn't have any class and culture, so he doesn't know musicals. And then and you I, came I back. I called you me. out. I asked you, you how many musicals have you been in? I, the answer is zero. I've been in three. Have you really? Oh yeah, high school man. Not high school me. musical, but like musicals in high school. That's <laughs> a big difference. Yeah. Well, and that'll I, be that'll be fun. Hopefully, I don't have to pick any of those three musicals because my, I might be in trouble. If so, that'll be fun. For that, though, like I said, with a lot of serious business here, we got to start out talking Buffalo Bills. Of course we do. Yes. And just what a uh, what a beautiful game that was last it's Saturday. You know, it's, it, it was an ass kicking. <laughs> and obviously we're not going to spend much time talking about that. It's mm-hmm. long in the rearview mirror now. And it's all about Sunday, Buffalo, Kansas City, the rematch. Mm-hmm. I, I'll say this, though. It was 
it was unexpected. At least we both, I nobody saw that coming to that extent. We talked about not it to that extent. No, show. yeah. Let me tell you this: I felt rather confident when I when you and I talked about the game last week, and we both mm-hmm. picked Buffalo. Again, neither of us uh, thought it was going to be that bad. Not only anyone did, but so Saturday. <laughs> When it got closer to the game, I, I can't really explain why, but I had, I was crippled with anxiety leading oh, up to the game, the hours leading up to the game. I was, I had plans. My cousin and a, and a group of friends went to a bar in West Seneca and I was going to go. I had every intention on going. Mm-hmm. Now I've been, this year has been really weird for me. I, I've been really busy on game days. I, I've worked through some of the games. Mm-hmm. So I haven't really had many opportunities to really truly enjoy a Buffalo Bills game from start to finish without having to go back and watch a lot of it on DVR and stuff like that. So I had every intention on going out and making this a party, but I just got so nervous and panicky. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I knew, well, at least I thought I knew that New England was just not going to be, you have to go out and beat them. They weren't mm-hmm. going to beat themselves. You have Bill Belichick. You have a, a strong running game and a really good defense, and the weather was really, really cold. And like it or not, the narrative for a lot of last week, we hit on it a little bit too, was mm-hmm. the Bills just don't seem like they're built to play in this type of weather. The Bills are seemed, the offense seems to gel, and it seems to be built for weather that's nice because the Bills sling the ball all over the yard, you know? Mm-hmm. So anyway, I was I was literally pacing the, the floors in my dining room, just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, leading up to the game. I ended up staying home and I watched the game by myself. Didn't go anywhere. No, no bar with my buddies, mm-hmm. no family party. My family was having a big party a bills gathering and do that for every bills game. I stayed home by myself, dude. I was that nervous going into the game completely unfounded now. And now it's laughable. But did you, did you wear out a path pacing? I did. I'm a like pacer the first quarter. <laughs> That's basically all. You, the only time you had to worry at all was like the first quarter. That's the funny thing about the game because it just it, it never was in doubt, man. The Buffalo Bills just, mm-hmm. dude, they annihilated the New England Patriots. And that game offensively was just, man, it was as close to perfection as any game I've ever seen. And I've been around yeah. for a very long time. And making myself sound really old there. <laughs> I've, I've just, I've never seen an offense just click like that for the Buffalo Bills. It was, again, it was literal perfection. Yeah. Seven drives, seven touchdowns. I'm not counting the kneel down at the end. I refuse yeah, to count that. Pointless. Seven drives, seven touchdowns. They were a perfect six for six on third downs. They only even got the third down six times throughout the game. Mm-hmm. Just, I, I don't know, kind of looking back now, based on our conversation and just your feeling going into the game, on a scale of like one to ten, how stunned are you that the game played out the way it is? Not perfection from the Bills' offensive side, because right. again, nobody general. saw that coming. But just generally, right. how easily Buffalo handled the New England Patriots? Ah, uh, I'm gonna put it about a six, honestly, because because I I think when we were breaking this down last week, I, I the one thing I said was New England's coming into this coming into the playoffs playing horrible. Mm-hmm. Like they had lost what three of their last four. It started with the the uh, the game in Foxborough against Buffalo where they, you know, they lose that game and it was just kind of like, look kind of crappy in that game. And then, you know, they lose a couple more after that. And you're like, eh, these guys look a little done. Like, and the way Buffalo had beat them before, I was like, there's no, I, I think I even said it last week and you can feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But I think I even said, I said, there's, there's no reason for Buffalo to lose this game. 
You like said they, that. They're, you did. they're playing. They're they're playing way better. New England was playing terrible. Like part of the part of the the of getting good in the playoffs is just going in hot. Like if you're playing well going in, then like that's that's a huge step forward. Um, and Buffalo was going in pretty hot. Now, granted, it was you know against Atlanta, against the Jets, like whatever. But like they'd still beat New England like you know four weeks beforehand. Okay, like that's that's the way that's the way it goes. Like they're playing really well, and New England was playing like ass. Like they're playing absolutely terrible football. And I was I was like there I was like the Bills shouldn't have a struggle with them this time around. I was like it's a home game. It's not going to be 50 mile an hour winds like they're going to be able to throw the ball. I didn't, you know, temperatures, temperatures, whatever. Like, you know, it doesn't temperature doesn't necessarily force you to have to do a ground attack. Like it just, you know, it sucks, sucks catching a ball being thrown at, you know, 60 miles an hour when it's, you know, right. one degree outside. Like, that's horrible. I don't want to I don't want to deal with that. I'm like, no, thanks. I'm getting out of the way of the ball at that point. But like. <laughs> I, I, I didn't see any reason. Like I said, I, I, my thought was like if Buffalo struggled, I don't like their chances to go deep in the playoffs because because New England look like crap. Like you know, I, I even said it on Twitter during the uh, the Arizona St. Louis game. I said that the two teams that were playing the worst heading into the playoffs were Arizona and New England, and you know Arizona ended up ma- <laughs> making New England look like a Super Bowl team of the way they played against the Rams. But uh, but the but I mean the build. I mean obviously throwing a perfect game up like that's you don't expect that ever like that's that's stupid you know seven bills drives seven not, touchdowns like that's bills nuts. fan or not joe bills fan or not that's probably the best i've ever seen an offensive look i mean you 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 can't get any better than that mm-hmm. and it wasn't like they won on a bunch of short fields i don't have to drive yeah. in front of me but they won 80 yards they won 75 yards they went 60 some yards in like three plays too like yeah they, i think one drive was like 85 yards in like three or four plays like, yeah three plays <laughs> <laughs> they, they did okay. that. They methodically went down the field. They went down the field every way imaginable. Josh Allen with his legs, Josh Allen with his arm, Devin mm-hmm. Singletary running the football. It was pleasantly, for me at least, pleasantly stunning. And again, there were two things I was concerned about is the weather. I was. Mm-hmm. I, so I talked myself into believing that the weather was going to be a big factor. The wind never really that was never a factor. It was cold. It was frigid. It was zero. It was, I think it was like maybe three degrees or something. The wind chill was below zero. It just didn't affect the bills at all. And again, coupled with new England being a top five defense coming in and, and bill Belichick. I mean, what I get the, the guy look, man, I don't know what it is, but that was a lifeless football team that we saw last week too. They just, Mm -hmm. the one thing I did not expect was, the New England Patriots to roll over. And it's basically, it felt to me, that's what it was. And you look at Bill Belichick, and I feel like he's not getting criticized nearly as much as he should. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm not going to take away his accomplishments through his career. He's been one of the greatest coaches that's ever lived, if not the greatest coach. But minus Tom Brady, I looked it up. I think his record 54 and 60 without Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. So this whole discussion on, who was more instrumental on the Patriots' success over the 20 years, Brady or Belichick, and especially considering Tom Brady literally just won a Super Bowl and he's back in the playoffs now. I granted a lot of talent around him, but that's not even a debate anymore. I I don't know what it is. Bill Belichick, it just he he deserves a lot of the blame for, for this game. I mean, they they were outgunned. I think there was a talent discrepancy between the teams, but yes, to lose by 30 which was the second worst loss of his career by only one point. And that's only because the Patriots scored a garbage touchdown at the end. 
Mm-hmm. That would have been the worst loss of his career. It was the worst playoff loss, loss of his career. I don't know. It just seemed like this team, before I move on to the Chiefs, by the way, uh, it just seems like the Patriots weren't even ready to play football, ain't it? Yeah, they everything that they had done well in the previous two games against the Bills, they didn't do remotely as well. Like, you know, they they weren't able to really run the ball at all. They they felt like they had to throw it a lot. And sure. I mean, when you get down, you, you have to throw it. Like there's you don't have an option. Like you get down two scores, you you can't just grind out, you know, the whole game, especially when your defense isn't getting any stops. Like you, you you're forced to throw at that point. And you know, I know everybody's very eager to bury Mac Jones. I get it. Like it's it's very easy, but it's also a rookie. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I, I, I thought like, he played all right. Oh no, a rookie played bad in his first playoff game. Well, yeah, no shit. I don't think he was that bad. <laughs> I don't. No, I, don't, I thought he was. I don't he think was, he was that fine. bad. He was fine. Like, but I mean, he wasn't. I mean, he wasn't throwing for four hundred yards and like no. keeping the team in the game. But like, right. he, he didn't play badly. Like, okay, fine. But you know, I, fans always love the dog pile. I get it. And you know what? The one tweet I had during the game was the, the bill always comes due. And mm-hmm. after 20 years of the Patriots, you know, kicking the bills around and, and, you know, generally treating them like uh second, second class citizens paybacks a mother. And you know what, you know, if, if they wanted to run up the score in that game, they could have, like they very easily could have, they sure. didn't have to like every time they got the ball, they got a touchdown. Great. Like that, that that's even more impressive than being like, ah, well, let's just add some more points. It doesn't matter. You didn't need to like, that's, that's as, as affirming of a win as you can have to kind of put some of the past pain behind you. Like it doesn't absolve the bills for being run horribly for, you know, more than two decades. It doesn't absolve that, but sure makes you feel good when it, the team that, you know, was on the hammer side of the hammer and nail rivalry gets finally tossed into the garbage. Like that's, that's very satisfying. Yeah. Let me say this one last point. If I'm a new England Patriots fan right now, blame it. Matt Jones is near the bottom of what I'm mad at right now. Yeah. Again, I'm mad at it. I'm mad at my coach. Cause I don't think this team was prepared. I'm mad at the defense because mm-hmm. it just, they looked at some, at one point they looked disinterested in, in making a tackle. I mean, the front line, the defensive the front seven was getting pushed around by the Bills offensive line, which mm-hmm. I don't really I haven't said that much this year. Matthew mm-hmm. Judon, I don't know what the hell happened to that guy, but that Dude, guy went from being all world to useless. He was all literally three games, useless. All three games against the Bills, he was a no show. Like they, yeah, the Bills useless. defense made it, or the Bills offensive line made it a point to be like, no, we're taking that guy away because he drives the bus for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. So I don't know. It'll be a long offseason for New England. Uh, Buffalo, obviously, the season Damn, continues. It- is it going to be that long of an off season for him? Like this was kind of unexpected for them to win 10 games. I, mm, in my mind. Yeah. Maybe I mean, they so. got a bunch of guys back from that, you know, missed the year because of COVID and whatever, but like, you know, they dipped heavy in a free agency. Like, okay, like that's fine. But I, I certainly did not see them in the anywhere near the conversation to be a threat for the division, which they were right. They oh, were, at, but like they were a legit threat. Sure. Right. But like, I did not, I mean, they were horrible last year. Like that was a really bad team last year. And then this year they win 10 games. Like, I don't know if this is going to be losing that way sucks. Like, let's, let's not get it. Let's not get it, you know, confused. Like that's, that's a horrible way to have your season end in their, you know, in their position. Obviously it's a great way for the, for the Patriots season to end with Bill's Bill's fans purview. But, um, but for them, like it's a disappointing end, but like, I don't know, man, like they, they were a really good team for most of the season. Very unexpectedly in my, in my eyes anyways. No, I think you're right about that. What I would say, though, and again, this is a, a conversation that we'll carry into the offseason once 
the, the NFL season ends, or at least for the Bills anyway, is they were good this year, 10 wins. That might have been sort of unexpected, but mm-hmm. I'm not really that high on them going into the offseason. I don't think they have a lot of good young talent. They got a quarterback who I think is a pretty good quarterback. I don't think he's going to be on an elite level. Now, in fairness to Mac Jones, hey, if you and I would have been doing this podcast at the end of the 2018 season. What would, what would we have been saying about Josh Allen at that time? You know, mm-hmm. he was not very good as a rookie. Mac Jones had a better rookie year than Josh Allen. Let's mm-hmm. just put it that way. But that said, I don't think his ceiling is nearly as high. So, but anyway, that team, they just don't have a lot of good, young, proven talent. I actually mm-hmm. would say, and we'll talk about this in the coming weeks, but I think Miami and maybe even the Jets might be a bigger threat to the Bills than New England going forward. And maybe, just maybe, and I know New England Patriots fans definitely want to hear this, maybe Bill Belichick's time has passed at this point. I don't know. It just felt like that team laid an egg in the playoffs, and that's not something that you see from uh, Bill Belichick. But anyway, moving on. Buffalo, Kansas City this week. Kind of good news, bad news. Let's start with the uh, let's start with the bad news here, okay? Because now the Buffalo Bills have lost, and this, and I got to give John World credit for this uh, tweet that he put out. The Buffalo Bills have lost eight straight playoff losses when not playing in Orchard Park, and that includes their last two Super Bowl losses. Their last road win in the postseason was at Miami in the AFC Championship game all the way back on January 17th, 1993. I remember that game, by the way. Mm-hmm. That that was a long time ago. And again, this is the bad stat. I'll give you a good one in a couple minutes here. But uh, eight straight playoff losses. Sean McDermott, now maybe you don't want to look in the you know, that's ancient history. Some of those games, mm-hmm. Super Bowls, it's definitely stuff ancient like history. That. It is ancient <laughs> but history. Two Super Bowls are in All that right. number. Like, I that's, agree. that's very old. But here's something that's not very old. The Buffalo Bills are 0-3 in the playoffs under Sean McDermott, too. So, mm. you know, this has been, from the start of last season through now, kind of like a series of humps that the Bills need to get over. Like last year, they couldn't get over the Kansas City hump. Mm. Week five, they did get over the Kansas City hump. This is a hump, and this is a big one right now. The Buffalo Bills are 0-3 in the playoffs on the road under Sean McDermott. Uh, how much stock do you put in a stat like that? How much does that mean, or is it completely and utterly meaning, meaningless to you going into a game like this? I don't think it's meaningless. Um, I think there's there's some value to that because I think there's a level of preparation needed to play on the road. Like either, there's there's I think there's different things as a coach you need to do to be able to get your team ready to to play on the road like that's that's just the way that goes like that i mean you can do all like the sound prep and like you know practicing for for a loud you know for a loud crowd and and whatever like you can do that but was there much of a crowd last year in the afc title game i don't remember if there was like if there was like crowd no because that was like right when they started letting people back in yeah, I don't remember if Kansas City. I don't think they had full capacity. I don't think it was a full I, house, though. I know they had more than the Bills did. Though. Like the Bills were allowed yeah. like seventy five hundred for yeah. their two games. They might, yeah, but like it wasn't a it wasn't a crowd that you're going to get this time around, where it's you know sixty five seventy thousand people. Like that's right. It's a different. This is a different Arrowhead Stadium this time sure. around. Tough place um, to play. Oh yeah, it, it for anybody. That's not just like a Josh Allen can't deal with the crowd on the road. Whatever. Like I don't. Allen's proven enough already to me that like anything that you try to stack up against them in previous years probably doesn't apply sure necessarily like i don't i don't think that really i don't think that really applies which i mean i guess it leads to my point like 
the zero and three thing, like you look at those the games that they lost uh, with McDermott. Like one, you know, one's the Jacksonville game with Tyrod at quarterback. That was one of the worst playoff games I've ever watched, just in general. Not they not were by happy the Bills. to be there. They were yeah, happy to be there. Yeah, yeah. Bills were happy to be there, but also Jacksonville. Like they they didn't let Jacksonville score a ton of points, but like Jacksonville's D that year was incredibly good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a boring game. Like that a playoff game shouldn't be boring. Like that right. game was boring. Mm-hmm. But like the game against Houston, okay, that was Allen's what second year, first year? Yeah, it was his second year. And, second uh, year, and he looked very green. Okay, like you know that that's what happens. And then Kansas City game last year on the road, like much better Allen, but like Kansas City's Kansas City man, like that's that's how it is. And I still kind of feel that way about Kansas City. I did not like the way their game started against Pittsburgh. Uh, I thought the first quarter, first quarter and a half, I thought they looked very pedestrian. Um, but it seemed like they were try- trying to feel things out with the with the Steelers. And the Steelers were playing over their head anyways, the whole end of the season. But like once Kansas City got it figured out, like they rolled. Like they, they absolutely ruined sure. Pittsburgh, right. which they should have. Like that's that's the way that goes. But I think if this game goes to the same pattern, which it probably isn't gonna, but if Kansas City is is not doing things right for the first quarter and a half, they might be in a hole they can't get out of because yeah. Buffalo's better. Like Buffalo's not better than Kansas City, but they're be- they're playing better than they have most of the season. Um, you know, the running game is actually a thing now. Like that's that's honestly the most mind bending thing possible. I, I I do love the the fan conspiracy theory that like <laughs> that McDermott was hi- McDermott and Dable were hiding it all year just to show to try to lull people to sleep. I'm like no, did you watch no, them run they the weren't. ball? They could they couldn't do it. They couldn't right. run the ball ever. Like unless it was Allen taking off of the ball after being flushed from the pocket. They weren't running ever. They couldn't. They, they <laughs> if they were running couldn't. the ball earlier in the year, they wouldn't be playing this game in Kansas City. Let's right. just put it that way. This game would they, be being played in Orchard Park. They wouldn't Kansas be playing, State. they wouldn't have been playing last week. Like that's the thing. Right. Like yeah. they would have been number one. Easy. Like hands down, they would have been number one in the East, but yeah. or the AFC. But um, but like there, there is a there is a small amount of merit to the road to the road thing, but Allen's a different player now. So I don't know that you can really you can really throw that into the blender and say that you know it's the same thing. Now, if they go out and lose by thirty to Kansas City this week, then you got to be like, okay, maybe maybe there's something maybe there's something to it. You know, if Allen has a horrible game and they lose by thirty, then you got to be like, mm, well, okay, like that's not what you want that's not what you're looking for but i don't i don't see this i don't see that game going this way it doesn't it doesn't sound like the weather's going to be horrific like you know one way or the other it seems like it's going to be you know normal winter in kansas city weather so whatever that's fine but um i don't know man like this is again if i was a gambler i want i don't want to touch this game with a with a 30 foot pole never mind a 10 foot pole i don't want to get anywhere near it man like the this this the money lines the spread none of that keep it away from me i don't want to touch this game the Bills have a lot to prove this game. To me, yes, I would I would liken this to uh, the NBA. Back in the 90s, and I'm talking about the Eastern Conference, just like I'm talking about the AFC in this scenario here. Back mm-hmm. in the 90s, the, the Chicago Bulls were the dominant team, and the New York Knicks were a very good basketball team. And I'm mm-hmm. talking about Chicago once they got past Detroit, okay? Yeah, the New York Knicks were a really good team in the East, mm-hmm. and were it not for the Bulls, they probably could have went to three or four NBA Finals instead of just mm-hmm. one. And that one year was when Michael wasn't Michael. Right. So you know what I'm saying? It's like the Bills got to prove that they're not the New York Knicks and that they're a really good team, but they just can't get over that hump being the Kansas City Chiefs because that's mm-hmm. the standard, 
of the AFC. The team's been to the Super Bowl two straight years. They look like shit earlier in the year, including when they played the Bills. Mm -hmm. And they're still beatable now. But until you beat them, they're the kings of the AFC. Now, I, that was the bad news, the 0-8. I want to pull up this graphic here. And for people listening, I'll read it. It was from uh, CBS Sports. And it listed the most NFL teams with 12 wins or more. I'm sorry, 12 points or more in each of their wins since the merger that had at least 12 wins during the season. You had the Rams. I'll read off the teams. The 1999 Rams, 2002 Tampa Bay Bucks, the 1985 Bears, the 2000 Ravens, the 1998 Broncos, the 96 Packers, and the 1991 then uh, Washington Redskins all had at least 12 games where they won by 12 or more points this year. The Buffalo Bills have won 12 games by 12 or more points this year. And that list that I just read off, and if you're watching this on YouTube that I just showed you, every single one of those teams have went on to win the Super Bowl. So again, maybe that mean, it means nothing. Just like going mm -hmm. 0-8 in the playoffs, dating back 25 years doesn't really mean anything for today. But that is worth noting, man. Mm -hmm. You win, you blow out teams by 12 or more points, and you do it a dozen or more times. Quite statistically, every single one of those teams that went on to win the Super Bowl. So if you're a Bills fan and you're looking for some some positive numbers going into this game, I just gave it to you, man. That's a good that that's a good stat if you're a Bills Wait, fan anyway. Now, does that set me up to be the uh the come down guy? Because because I do have if some reasons to, to be just back of the mind things. I again, you know, they play they play differently now than they did earlier in the season, but every game that they had a big blowout win against the key opponent the following week they had a huge letdown yes. uh, the Kansas City game this year they beat the Chiefs by 18 the next week they lose the Tennessee okay uh they beat they you know they thump on Miami for the second time you know at the 26 to 11 win at home like that you know played very good you know Dolphins weren't really in that game at all lose to Jacksonville the next week okay they beat the Saints 31 to 6 on Thanksgiving awesome Huge win. Like, they, you know, Saints, you know, whatever. They're whatever. Um, the next week, they lose to New England. You know, like, uh, you know, they beat the Jets 45-17. Everybody said, oh, Bills are back. You know, after losing to Jacksonville, then they lose to the Colts 41-15 the next week. And it's like, the Bills have been very guilty this year of getting high on their own supply. Sure. And getting, letting their heads get a little bit too big at times. Now, I hope, I hope they've learned from that this year. Um, because that's, let's face it. I mean, that's, that's a problem like that. You know, you don't want to, you know, kick back and, you know, thump somebody and be like, ah, we got it figured out now. We got this. You can't be doing that now like this. You know, you can't go into this game thinking like, ah, oh, we beat these guys by almost 20 earlier this year. We, we got this game. Like, no, you can't, you, you can't be thinking that way. You'd be like, oh, we, we had seven drives, seven touchdowns. We're, we, we got this. We got this in lockdown. Like, no, you don't like. Kansas City still threw up 42 last week. You know, Kansas City, you know, has been an infinitely better team. The second, you know, they they started off like what one in one in four, one in five, or something like that. And then they went I don't nine. know what it was, but it was they they were playing they were some bad. ugly football. A lot of but them like then they went nine April. and one after that. Like, yeah. Okay. Like they're obviously clicking. They've obviously got their act together. I think they're like 10 and one now because of the, because they beat the Steelers. But like if you're the Bills, your your head better be in check because They've been really guilty of thinking they've got it figured out. They've got it down. Like nobody's going to beat us now. And then, you know, 
you lose to Jacksonville by a field goal in a game where you only get field goals. You, you know, you lose, you lose, you get your ass dragged around the field by the Colts. Like you can't be thinking, you know, th- that you've got it done. You've got it figured out. Like this is, this is good. I think that's going to be the real test for this crew to hope that they've learned some humility along the way. Like the confidence is very high. The confidence has always been there. Confidence might be something that gets them a little bit, a little bit in trouble too. Um, so I would hope that they've, you know, McDermott will have the guys heads in check and be like, Hey, I would be reminding this team of that. all like the, the entire week at practice be like, Oh, you think you're good. Okay. Well, you know, Hey, let's, let's look, let's look back at that Jacksonville game guys. Let's go back and look at that Colts game. You know, like remember when you thought you were going to beat the world in and, and this stuff happened, like, don't let it happen again. You know, just don't. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, we're back. I pretty much just cut Joe off with a... What a Thanks, Pat. <laughs> You're like, screw you, funny. Joe. You're raining on my parade. <laughs> but listen, back to Bill's Chiefs here. I, I'm going to say this too. I had a conversation this week with uh, Damone Harris. Now, Damone Harris is mm-hmm. Buffalo born and raised. Or most people know his story, especially if you listen to the show. Went to UB, a walk-on, wasn't even a scholarship player, undrafted, spent time with Tampa. Anyway, he spent over two years with the Kansas City Chiefs. Got himself a nice Super Bowl ring. Really cool stuff. I love Damone. He's a very, very close family friend. He's best friends with my nephew. He spends a lot of time with my son. Anyway, this week was uh, my mother-in-law's birthday, and there was a we had a gathering, and Damone was over the house. And we had a nice conversation about 
Bills, Chiefs. And, and let me say this now. Damone doesn't play with the Chiefs anymore. He's with Houston. And Damone's a Buffalo guy. And he told me what he wants to see. He's playing for Buffalo. You know, he doesn't play for the Chiefs anymore. But, you know, I asked him, honestly, what does he think about the game? And, again, this is just one person's opinion. But it is somebody who knows the Kansas City Chiefs significantly better than you and I do and pretty yeah. much anyone else out there who's talking about this game. He is, um, he thinks the Chiefs are extremely confident and he thinks that, I don't want to go as far as to say he he thinks that for sure the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win, but I, I think he does. He didn't say that word for word. Mm -hmm. um, he just, it's, he emphasized to me what a different team that this is right now compared to, you know, what it was when Buffalo played him. I mean, he's not giving us any breaking news. We'd all know that we have, right. we have eyes. We can, we saw the game, <laughs> just a different team completely, totally all together than what they were. And as we kind of, you know, I, I think there's a couple factors. I just want to spend a couple minutes here quickly talking about some of them. I, I think there's three things that the Buffalo bills need to do in order to, to, to beat the chiefs when it counts. Not that the not that week five didn't count. I think week five week five mattered a ton. It was just one game in the standings, but I think mm -hmm. mentally the Bills had to win that game. And mm -hmm. we talked about that when it happened yep. earlier in the season. So I'm not putting any uh I'm not taking away from their win. It mattered a lot. But this is again, this is a different Chiefs team now. And to be fair, even though the Bills won that game, I think this is a different Bills team too now. I think the Bills are far more. They've been playing more consistent football and they can run the football. And Josh Allen's playing at an MVP level again right now. But anyway, there's three things that I think the Bills need to do. Number one, first and foremost, the offensive line. They've looked good of late. I, I don't think he's been sacked in a month now, Josh Allen. Ryan Bates coming in is really um, turned the side of this offensive line. And Deion Dawkins was out with COVID. He came back anyway. I'm not really talking about the offensive line other than they need to find a way to effectively block the Kansas City defensive line. The first time they played, they only had Chris or Frank Clark, who's a good player. Mm -hmm. But there was Melvin Ingram was a Pittsburgh Steeler at that time. And Melvin Ingram did a pretty good number on the Bills on opening week when he played with Pittsburgh. So Melvin Ingram's going to be a problem. And beyond either of those two guys, Chris Jones just absolutely last year in two games against the Bills terrorized them. I mean, he he made John Feliciano look really, really bad. Now, John Feliciano's Feliciano's not even a starter at this point. Ryan Bates is in. But he also had a lot of success against Morris. And he had a lot of success against anybody who the Bills put up in front of him. Mm -hmm. That's key number one to me. You agree with that? Like the Bills, Kansas City not going to blitz a lot. They want to get to Josh Allen just like the Bills mm -hmm. do without having a blitz. Key number one for me is giving Josh Allen time to throw the football because the Chiefs don't have a great defense, but they have a defensive line that could get after the quarterback. And the guy in Chris Jones is just, Again, he's murdered the Bills through their first, uh, well, at least last year for sure. Yeah, I knowing that Steve Spagnuolo is the guy uh, running that defense, and you know the, the lumps they took early on in the season where they looked completely inept. They were you know giving up like thirty points a game. Um, Spagnuolo is a really smart dude. Um, mm -hmm. He was the guy who ran the the Giants' defenses when they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowls. Um, he was the guy that basically laid the, the 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 put the game plan out as to how you can get Tom Brady off of his game, you know. By you know, and it's the the big key to that is having a, a D line that can pressure. You know, mm -hmm. the, you think of those Giants teams like you had Strahan, you had Tuck, you had Yuminura. Like those are three dudes that really brought 
you know, they, they brought pressure from all sorts of different spaces against those Pats teams. And, you know, Brady's a different monster. Like, he, you know, Brady's just so cool under pressure generally. Um, he, he's not a guy that's going to run. Um, one thing I've noticed that at Kansas City, though, is that when they do blitz, they blitz from all sorts of different areas. Like, they're not, they're not bringing that pressure from the same spot every time. They're not just going to try to get him on the blind side. You know, they'll bring it, you know, right into his face, try to get him to, to make a mistake and throw it too quick. Um, that, that, that's really interesting to me. Now it, it's going to be a different challenge for them going from, you know, immobile Ben Roethlisberger to Allen who can, you know, can run. Um, so it's a little different this time around, but this defense is completely different. It's a completely different defense than what, than what Buffalo was playing against back, you know, early in the season. Like this is their you know, defense carried them in the playoffs. Quite frankly, Joe, the offense yeah. was playing like crap. I mean, the, the wheels were coming off early in the year with the Chiefs, but it could have completely mm-hmm. fallen off were it not for the defense. The defense oh, has actually yeah. been a little more consistent than the offense this year. Yeah, and uh, the offense being kind of weird, it kind of surprises me. Now, they, they just lost a lineman uh, a couple weeks ago, one of their starting tackles. So I I wonder for them if they started thinking like, oh, no, here it goes again, like last year when they lost you know, a two, two O-line starters and then, then in the Super Bowl against Tampa. You know, Mahomes had like 0.3 seconds to try to do anything. Right. And like, yeah. you know, they were, they were toast, but um, it's, it's obviously a little bit different. You know, the Pittsburgh defense isn't awful. Like they, you know, you can't okay. make the playoffs with a, with a bad defense. Um, like they're okay, but you know, whatever, the, whatever they thought they had figured out against Kansas city in, in the first quarter last week is gone <laughs> very quickly. Like whatever adjustments Kansas city made, they got it figured out pretty quick, but um but yeah, this defense is really interesting. Even the weak part of their defense, which is like their safety, Sorensen, I think his name. Sorensen might be one of the worst safeties I've ever I've ever watched. At least the first he's, few weeks. He's of the kind season. of yeah. He's kind of a he he he's kind of a, a hybrid player. Like he's not really he doesn't really have a yeah. true position. But but yeah, yeah but I, like he looked he, like, he, every yeah, time they got best. burned. Like yeah. in those the first five weeks, it was him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like teams are just like, yeah, no, throw it where that guy is because he's not going to do anything. But now that's not that hasn't been an issue at all. I don't yeah. know if that's because they figured out how to use Sorensen better, like having a blitz in or doing whatever. But like, whatever their coverages are, whatever they've been doing, has been better to make him not a factor. And then you're right, their D has carried them for a, for a good part of the season, where you know that snapped them out of it and like helped them get back to the you know where they're you know ten and one in the last eleven. Yeah, like that. That D is is a big reason why, but you know, if you're talking about the D going into a Kansas City game, I'm that makes me very nervous. <laughs> right. I'm a Buffalo guy because it's like if you're worried about the defense when you got you know Mahomes and and Hill and all those guys on that side, and it, the the friggin' running back they picked up, uh, McKinnon. Yeah, McKinnon. Like, how did how like they just pulled that guy off the, the, the friggin' scrap heap. And now he looked unstoppable against because Pittsburgh. nobody plays a run against the chiefs because you gotta, you gotta worry about their, their passing game. Yeah. But yes. like, but like he looked, he did not look out of place at all. Like they, you well, know, they're down like two running backs and they bring him in and he looks flawless. So, right. I don't know, man, like that's, that, but that's what I mean. Like you're going to a Kansas city game, worrying more about the defense and the offense. That's that gives me reason to pause. Yeah, for sure. And look, it's almost unrealistic to expect the Bills. Again, I don't think the Bills have given up a sack in a month. The Bills mm-hmm. in three of their last four games, I know this stat, they've had three turnovers in four games, and all three of them were against Atlanta, and two of them were just really weird plays. 
I think it's unrealistic to expect Josh Allen to not get sacked once mm-hmm. in Kansas City, but you don't want this to turn into uh, the Bills at least twice this year that I could think of off the top of my head. The Jacksonville game and the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. game on opening day. Mm-hmm. The Bills let an opposing defensive line just absolutely dictate, dictate the game. The, the, the defensive line for Jacksonville, and yes, I did say Jacksonville, mm-hmm. and Pittsburgh, they destroyed the Bills' offensive line on those two games. Josh mm-hmm. Allen was running for his life. He made a lot of mistakes because of that, and I don't even really blame Josh. It was a line. So, yeah, they have to find a way to effectively contain, especially Chris Jones, but do not sleep on Melvin Ingram mm-hmm. or Frank Clark, for that matter. That's one big point. Conversely, I think another big key for the Bills is on the other side of the football is you got to find a way to get after Patrick Mahomes without having to blitz him. Now, I look back mm-hmm. to the first week, and this is per pro football focus, PFF. The Bills, who, I don't want to say they dominated Mahomes, but they had a lot of success against them. Mm-hmm. Four turnovers that game, too, by the way. Two interceptions, two forced fumbles. But the Bills, and I did not know this, 63 dropbacks for Patrick Mahomes. Guess how many times they blitzed him? Twice. Zero? Zero. Oh, my Zero. God. Okay. They literally made Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable and forced him into mistakes without blitzing him once. Now, again, just like I said, it's unrealistic to expect Josh Allen to not get sacked once. I don't know that you're going to be able to get to Pat Mahomes as effectively as you did the first time mm-hmm. without blitzing. They, they're probably going to have to dial up some stuff. But the, the point is this. That passing game, those weapons, you, you want to have as many guys in coverage as possible. So if you can get to a quarterback with four, you're always going to be in an advantageous position defensively because you're not having to blitz that fifth or, or sixth mm-hmm. guy. So the Bills being able to get a, a pass rush against Mahomes, to me, that's the second key. Again, offensive line blocking and being able to generate some pressure without bringing the house. you got to find a way to do that again like they did the first time against them. Yeah, the, yeah. The, being able to – so many of the games where I've seen where the front four does all the work uh, have been really impressive efforts. Like Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh game was that way. Pittsburgh didn't have to blitz Allen the entire game because their front right. four got the backfield constantly. Uh, the Jacksonville game was that way. The Indy game was kind of that way too. You know, like if if the if the lines are getting completely phys, you know out physicaled, that's that's a bad sign for Buffalo because if their if their line isn't getting out and being aggressive, which I think that's a key part to them running more because it gets the line active. You know, because sure. you get those guys running, you get them pushing around, it gets them, you know, instead of like, you know, wheeling back and trying to pass protect, you're you're getting out and getting those guys being physical, slapping people around. You need like your offensive lines love to do that. Like those those guys just don't want to like sit back and and pass protect all day. Like they'll do it, but like the there's the, the guys in the Bills O line love to get out and push guys around. Like that, you know, Spencer Brown feeds off of that. You know, you know, Ryan Bates certainly seems to feed off that too. You know, Dawkins is very good at doing that. You know, like those guys, they want to get out and push people around. They just want to sit back and wait for guys to come at them. Um, but when when you're dealing with a team that, you know, that that can that can just get it done with their front four, that's that that's it's so hard. It's so hard for the offense to function because then if everybody else is back in coverage, that you can cover everybody easier because those routes have got to get shorter. Because if the line's getting in the backfield, you know, you can't be running guys deep downfield, you, can, you know, deep crosses, deep, you know, deep whatever, like seam passes. None of that is going to work if the quarterback's got to run for his life the whole game. That goes from that goes on both sides of the both sides of, uh, you know, from the Chiefs and the Bills. So sure, this is having the line being able to to really get 
out there and muscle guys around is is a big deal. It's, and it's I've fun. seen I've seen Buffalo do that more uh, the last few weeks, with not just running, but also you know with some of the screen passes, some of like the short outs and stuff like that, where you know the line can kind of get away with getting a little bit downfield. You know, a lot of the you know the screen plays, especially where it's just like you know let everybody go and get out there and start mauling people. So uh, I want to see more of that. Like, the one thing I think the the Bills' offense has been really good is. is and I've noticed this with Allen is that he spreads the ball around a lot in those, those opening drives just to try to not tip off which guy he might fall in love with for the rest of the game, you know, because I, I think that was a big problem for him early on where, you know, his safety blanket was always Beasley and he just always end up defaulting looking to him, which, you know, Hey, great. He's open, but you know, you're going to get three, four yards at a time. Maybe. Right. Um, you know, but like now it's like, okay, let me get the ball to digs this one time. Okay, here, you know, there's Gabe Davis. Let me hit him. Oh, there's Beasley. Let's got him. McKenzie's out there. Good. Let's let's get him running. Let's do this. Like diversifying the attack works so much better for the Bills because they got a bunch of guys that can do it. And you know, that's where Kansas City strings come in too, because they run a I, it's not the same offense. It's not even really a similar offense. It's very different, but um, but like Allen and Mahomes can do so much similar stuff, but like you know, the, the, the chief's offense is, is terrifying. <laughs> like that's, but so is the bills. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I would love to see this be like a, what was it? It was a, uh, like Kansas city Rams game a couple of years back where it was like 50 to 45. Now everybody would hate that because the D you know, you can't trust any defense, but damn man, light it up. Let's see it. Let's see both these, <laughs> these high flying offenses just go nuts with it. You know, it's funny. We spend so much time talking about how wonderful, both Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are his quarterbacks in these explosive high octane offenses. But yet we kind of just broke it down and agreed that the, the trenches is going to probably be what decides this game. And there's one other thing too, that, I, and I got to hit on this too. And this is my biggest single, biggest concern going into the game. I don't want to have this conversation as a bills fan. I don't want to be sitting here next week with you having a conversation saying this was, you know what this was, Joe, this was, the Trey White game. I think the Bills have been fortunate to some extent mm -hmm. since the Trey White injury, which again, that happened on Thanksgiving night against New Orleans. The Bills did play Tampa. So they they had they've had one game where they played a really great quarterback and multiple explosive wide receivers. But aside from that, they've avoided they've avoided good quarterbacks, quite frankly, or mm -hmm. and or really good wide receiving units. Mm -hmm. That's obviously ending on Sunday. You got arguably the best quarterback in the game, Patrick Mahomes. You had Tyreek Hill, who torched the Bills last year in the AFC Championship game with Trey White. A lot of been on Trey White. Mm -hmm. You know, you got good secondary receivers. You got the best tight end in football. So Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace, and I talked about this earlier this week with Aaron Quinn. I think for the Bills to have a, a chance to win, not a chance. I think the Bills have a chance no matter what. For the Bills to win this football game, I think Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace need to have the best games of their lives. Now, Levi Wallace has been really, really good this year. I think he's mm -hmm. been an unsung hero on this team. And I've called him a weak link before, and I've said this. It's not because he's not good. It's just because everyone else in that secondary is literally elite. Mm -hmm. so he's been really good. Dane Jackson has not really had to prove that much. He's a mm -hmm. good physical defender, and Aaron Quinn talked about this on the show this week. He says, the one aspect of his game where he might even be better than Trey White is he's a more engaging, willing, run-defending tackler, which is true. But he ain't no Trey White, and everybody knows that. And mm -hmm. Aaron wasn't trying to say that either, just so we're clear. 
But anyway, these guys got to be on their A game because the, the Chiefs are going to go at, look, the Chiefs are going to go after Dane Jackson. Let's just put that out there now. This ain't, mm -hmm. we don't need to break down all 22 film. We don't need to be Tony Romo and, and, and Jim Nance are sitting there having a conversation. They're going after Dane Jackson. So these guys need to step their game up big time on Sunday. Yeah. And I think this is one where Taron John, Johnson's got to be a little bit more. He's not hurt, right? I'm not talking. No, he's, no, he's not hurt. He, okay. he'll, spend, he'll spend a lot of time either in the slot on slot receivers, and he'll probably mm -hmm. have some matchups alongside with Matt Milano or the safeties with Travis Kelsey. I'm yeah, confident in them. I'm worried about Dane Jackson and Levi to an extent. Yeah, and the the Kelsey factor to me is a big one too because the the last few weeks you've been able to have Hyde and Poyer just play safe play as safeties. You know, sit they can go deep in coverage when they need to. Sure, but if you got to spend time bringing one of them up to get on Kelsey to you know to help out Milano or you know to do whatever, that opens things up a little deeper down the field. That would give me a reason to pause that again that but that puts the pressure on jackson and wallace to make sure that they can take care of the job now the upside is that you could have either safety come down and help out and the other guy's going to be back there to to help cover deep now can he cover can he you know if you're kansas city do you just have these guys running run streaks and seams all day just to try to open things up either underneath for kelsey or, or mckinnon or or how do you do it like that's that's going to be a really interesting strategy point for the game because if they if they get going to Kelsey and he starts breaking stuff off and I mean I mean some of the runs he had last week I was just like okay <laughs> there is he's back like there's no question how good he is but um, I I do wonder how you try to work that out because it's not like you can it's not like you can feel great having at least last season like if you had White on Hill and Hill beats you and it's like all right best on best they got they got the edge you don't have a best on best this time uh, with Hill. Like, and Hill's going to do a hundred different things. He, he's, he's Isaiah McKenzie on, you know, times 10, as far as, you know, how they use him, you know, whether it's running, you know, running deep, you know, deep routes and catching the ball, you know, long balls and whatever. Um, that makes that job so much harder for everybody. Like it, trying to think of the ways you can counter their offense to, to try to make the, the game more uncomfortable for them. It opens up something else, you know, on the field. And, you know, it's the same. Listen, it's the same for the Bills offense, because if you try to shut down Diggs, OK, cool. You've left Davis open. You've left you left Beasley open. You've left Dawson Knox open like there. The, the, you can do the, the, the tit for tat thing, you know, as far as how these offenses go. But, the you know, the, the guy, the weaponry you have with Kansas City is a little bit more dangerous because Kelsey's way better than Knox. You know, I, a lot of Bills fans will be like, no, Dawson Knox is great. Yeah, he is. He's having a great season, but he ain't Travis Kelsey. Okay. You know, Stefan Diggs is a great receiver. His skill set is much different than Tyreek Hills. You know, like that's, that's where, that, that's where a lot of the strategy is going to get really interesting to see which you, Kansas City, you almost have to pick which poison you want to deal with more. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's kind of where that, that falls in line. And it's kind of, it's the same for the Bills. Like Chiefs defense is going to have to decide. Which guy they, you know, is they're going to take their chance on having a bad game or, you know, being able to, you know, like, hey, if you want to keep forcing to Gabe Davis, hey, fine, have fun. You know, like if that's, you know, if that's a choice. Gabe Davis can certainly beat you like that's 100 percent possible. Like that, that's a it's a great spot for for the Bills to be in where you can have those weapons to be able to change things up. Let me ask you this last thing. They want to talk Sabres for a couple of minutes here.
We did it last week. We both went with Buffalo. Um, it sounds to me through our conversation today that you've been kind of, and again, for everyone listening or watching, Joe is a Bills watcher. We've established that. Joe is not necessarily a Bills fan. So he's going to give you what he truly thinks and not necessarily what he's feeling in his heart when it comes to this game. But anyway, that said, uh, what you got to give me a prediction, man. What, what do you got? I, th- I think the home field swings it for this game. I think it's going to be a much closer game, but I think Kansas City, Kansas City can edge it out. Now, caveat I'm going to throw here is the destiny factor when it comes to the Bills. Every team that gets the that gets the monkey off their back to finally to break through and win it, they have to they have to extinguish a lot of old. They go this route, and they've Bills have already got it started. They they vanquished New England. Okay, that's that's a huge ghost gone. Then you're looking at Kansas City this week, maybe Tennessee the week after. Like that's a lot. Like those are there's a lot of history. Like there's new history with Kansas City. There's old history with Tennessee. And then if you get to the Super Bowl and they're playing Tampa, well, then of course the final end boss would be Tom Brady, right? Like that's right. that's just the way that would work. If there's a and you know, listen, I know Destiny's like kind of like talking about clutch, you know, being a clutch player and stuff like that, where it's you know, it's mythical, it's not, it's kind of it's nonsense. Like it's it's not it's not beat around the bush. Like destiny stuff is nonsense. But 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 if you're gonna turn it around, and if you're Buffalo, you're gonna if you're gonna win your first Super Bowl. Beating everybody who's made your life miserable the last twenty five years has a lot goes a long way to doing it. And yeah. if you can take care of Kansas City this week, then you're looking at what Cincinnati or Tennessee the following week. If you got and if you're going to Tennessee, you can beat them. And then if you're going to the Super Bowl, like hey, whoever bring bring whoever at that point, it doesn't even yeah. matter. But like, but if it ends up being like a Tampa Bay, then it's like. Okay, this is this is the way this is the way it was meant to be. If you're gonna do it, you gotta you gotta beat everybody who's made you miserable along the way. One so, more, go ahead. Yeah, so like that's that's my thought on it. I I think if if Buffalo gets past this game, I think they go to the Super Bowl. Let me let me add one thing to to your destiny uh theory here. It would also be cool, of course, Tampa. Tom Brady's the big thing, but Chris Berman for years and years and years picked the Bills and the 49ers to go to the Super Bowl every year. <laughs> Playing the 49ers in the Super Bowl would be really, really cool um, as well. And I I agree with you about one thing for sure, too. To me, and no disrespect to Tennessee or Cincinnati, to me, this is the AFC Championship game right here, the unofficial mm-hmm. AFC Championship game as far as I'm concerned. Look, I'm going to be completely honest with you, Joe, and, and honest with everybody watching and listening. I picked before the playoffs started, I picked the Kansas City Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl and uh, face the Los Angeles Rams. Mm-hmm. And several times over the course of this podcast, last few months or so, I've said if my life depended on getting it right and I had to pick a team to go to the Super Bowl and my life and not my heart depended on it, I would pick the Kansas City Chiefs. But I am going to pick the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, my mind I changed. It. It's I not a whole, it. Look, I, I would be lying to you if I said, <laughs> That it has zero to do with me being a Bills fan, and there's not a little homer in me. I'd be a liar if I said otherwise. I, I would call you a liar this, to your face. But I'm going to say this. <laughs> Last week changed me. I think the Bills showed me a lot. They, mm-hmm. I think they're playing their best football. I I I do buy into that destiny theory. Mm-hmm. I do think they have a chip on their shoulder from last year. This year, beating them in week five, getting them a lot of confidence. And I look at the Chiefs, and... I see a team that's been beatable all year. Even now when they're playing good football and they're winning a lot of games, they lost to the Bengals. 
two weeks ago, and they almost lost to the Chargers. They won in overtime. It was mm -hmm. a wild game. I can't remember if it was in KC or LA. I think it was in LA. doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Point being is they were both wild games, shootouts, and I could see this game being that way. The Kansas City Chiefs, the difference between them now and last year is I think they're significantly more beatable. Mm -hmm. And for me, the big key is this. I think the Bills got to start out. They can't fall into no 17-3 hole, you mm -hmm. know, early in the second quarter. If that happens, I think they're done. But if the Bills can weather the storm, so to speak, early on, the later this game goes on, I think the Bills from player 1 to 53 are the better football team. I think their defense is better than Kansas City's. I, I think Kansas City is a better front four, but I think the back end of their defense stinks. And I think the Bills back seven, even without Trey White, is capable of making some plays. They're not going to shut down Kansas City, but I absolutely can see them making a couple of stops. You know, to me, mm -hmm. a stop in a game like this is almost as good as a turnover, you know? Mm -hmm. So I look at it that way. And at the end of the day, I just, I think this offense is, is firing on all cylinders now. I believe in Josh Allen. I truly do. And I just think when it's all said and done, I, I think the Bills are going to win this game as long. If the Bills are, last year, the Bills were winning at the end of the first quarter, okay? But mm -hmm. I never felt confident that they were going to win the game. Right. I'm telling you with confidence right now, and you can replay this clip if I'm wrong next week. I hope I'm not. But if the Bills are winning at the end of the first quarter Sunday, they're winning this game. Even if it's 3 nothing. If it's 3 nothing. If it's 3-3. Three, three, Even if it's 3 nothing, you're if, saying they got it. If they're winning by the a field goal. I'm not saying it's in the bag, but I think the Bills are going to win this game if they're either up or even tied at the end of the first quarter. If they're not buried, they're going to win this game. And I think the Bills are going to win by two scores, too. Somewhere between 9 to, what is it, 15? 9 or no, 16. 9, 9 to 16 points, that could be a two-score game, right? Yep. Whatever. You get what I'm saying. The Bills are winning this game <laughs> as long as they don't blow in in the first quarter. Fascinating. So, yeah. And, and you said you would have picked Kansas City if your life depended on it. Hmm. I would have. Interesting. Interesting. But now, but now, Interesting. my life doesn't depend on being right. <laughs> your sanity <laughs> depends on it, Pat. Your sanity depends on it. Yeah, my, uh, but it, but my like, happiness. It, it, now it's just my my happiness depends on the bills and uh, that's my sanity to, to, to an extent. No, Look, don't, uh, don't hinge your happiness on your sports teams. Take it from the Lions. I, I don't. Okay? I do. I know. I don't want to, especially being a <laughs> Buffalo sports fan. I don't, I, I just, God, man, please don't make me talk next week about the season being over. I'm not ready for it. This team's too good for the season to end right now. That's where I'm at with this team. I'm not there with the Sabres, though. <laughs> so uh, let's just spend a few minutes no. talking Sabres. Um, <laughs> I got to look, I got to look at the damn injury report because it, it changes all the it's time. All right. So we are taping this Thursday mid-afternoon. They have a game mm -hmm. tonight, which we you know, it reminds Always me. Last week, now. last week we gave uh, an Arundel burial in our, during <laughs> yeah. our taping, and then he went out. Was it um? Where did he go? Oh, Nashville. He went yeah. out and dominated him. The Sabers won four to one. I almost laughed during that game. In fact, I was at Imperial Pizza. I told my buddy, I said, "Me and Joe got to stop taping shit, or if we we're going to, <laughs> we got to stop talking about the goddamn Sabers the day before or the day of a game, I should say, mm -hmm. because we look foolish." But anyway, the injury report is just. One of the things we've talked about, and I said it last week, I just, please, let me get a good look at this team when they're near, forget about full health, even near full health. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like it's never going to happen. Now I got Henestrosa's out for weeks, lower, and of course this is hockey, so it's all lower upper body injuries. Um, 
Colin Miller's out for, I, I think in a show, six, three weeks, I think six, I saw six, with him. Six weeks, I think it is. Colin yeah, Miller's just had surgery, weeks. yeah. Yeah, Colin Miller's out six weeks with a lower body. And now Kyle Lockposo, I don't even know what the hell happened to him, but he's got an upper body. He got, and, and he he got pasted into the boards last yeah, game. Yeah, yep. Rough hit. Now they're getting Gergeson's back and Bryson back soon. Middle staff practice on Thursday, mm-hmm. or he's full practice on Friday, and he might be back within a couple of days. I mean, mm-hmm. who knows? People are hearing this Friday. He might even play Friday. I don't know, but... This again, what we talked about last week, man. I just want to get a good look at this team, but we're never mm-hmm. going to because guys are always going to hurt. Now it's in Estrosa Miller and Ocposo are all out. Yeah, it's um, but you know what? I we could we could be negative about that, and that's certainly that's certainly a good thing. But Jack Quinn's up. Yeah. So that he's is good. he's getting the call. He's he's technically on the 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 taxi squad, but he's gonna play. Yeah, he's playing. um and he's he's just absolutely been torching everybody in the AHL since since he went back down. Uh, after he played uh, against Tampa a week or two ago. Um, so that that's what's got me excited. Like that, you know, the season's a wash. Like, forget it. Who cares? Like, it's put 19 guys in the, on the injury list. Just like, whatever. Just make sure it's none of the none of the young guys. Like, the, the fact that Middlestat's going to be back, he might be back. He might play Saturday against Philly, the way they're talking. That's cool. Which, hey, Risto's back in town Saturday. Hey! Yeah. <laughs> Break out the highlight reel, folks. It's going to be fun. Um, but like Quinn, you know, Quinn in there, like just Quinn's tearing shit up in Rochester. He's by absolutely the way. murdering everything. Six goals and nine points in his last four games since he was up here for that cup of coffee. He just and had again, a four-goal like four game the other night. Like yeah, he's 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 been sick, he's, man. So that is great. something to look forward to. You're right. A guy like I like Akpo, so and I think he's yeah. been an asset to this team this year, but mm-hmm. his absence is giving gonna give uh Jack Quinn a look. Alex Tuck's another guy. I mean Mm-hmm. he's played seven games with the Sabres. Now he's had seven points. Mm-hmm. He's looked really good. What are your, what are your thoughts with him? I'm hearing a lot of, I'm hearing a lot of this guy has future captain mm-hmm. uh, written all over him. He, he yeah. has looked good. He looks like a good legitimate frontline winger for the Sabres. Uh, what if, what are your thoughts on him through what, what, yeah, seven games now at this point. Uh, I, I, I obviously love the offensive game that he's got uh i like that he's become a big guy in the penalty kill for them uh because he's he's always on the puck he's always he's he's a really good four checker and he's really good attacking the puck so i i like that that he's a very well-rounded player like he's not just a pure offense or a pure defensive guy like you don't you don't need that stuff sure that's you know pure offense yeah great that's super fun but like you know jeff skinner's kind of pure offense like you're not counting on him you know closing minutes of a game to close it out like you're not you're not asking him to do that. Like that's that's him out of his out of his element. Tuck his element is the entire game, so that to me makes him extremely valuable. That makes him you know such a good pickup in that trade. You know a trade they're destined to to be on the losing side of. You know trading Jack, but like with with Tuck though he's such a good all round player, and you know the fact that he's getting points and you know listen he's playing on a line with Thompson and with I think with Skinner. Yeah, Skinner. I think that's the line. So yeah, so I mean, like that's that's a line that should produce points. They they kind of have to produce points as far as the Sabers go. Like if they're not producing points, I don't know who else is. But uh, but like that line's worked really well, and they all offer a different piece to their game. Like you know, Thompson's become a very well-rounded center, um, very more much more on the offensive side. But like his defensive game hasn't been bad. Um, right. His defensive game's gotten a lot better actually. Um, he used to be a Corsi caveman before where he was just getting buried uh when he was on the ice but that's you know a different team different 
different setup, different play for him from him now. But um, but that line works out really well. You know, Tuck's a very intense four checker. He can get turnovers. He, you know, he gets the puck very, you know, in good, good spaces all over the offensive end of the ice. So like that's, he's, he's a very well-rounded player. Like he, you know, he, he's comfortable around the net. He'll dig out rebounds. He'll do all that stuff like that. I mean, you see why coaches can get excited about a guy like that. So that's, that's super, that's super good to see. And I, you know, listen, I, I get it. It's, it's a bad season. Like they've won what, you know, six games of the last 25 or something, you know, whatever it is, six, seven games, the last 20, 20, whatever games it, it's bad. Like I get it, but like, these are the, the bright spots you got to look for. Like these are the, you know, you got to look for these really good performances from players because, you know, you know, one guy doesn't make a team, but if you get a bunch of one guys together, that can make a team. So, and tuck is tuck is one of those guys. Thompson's one of those guys. Now, uh, Dylan cousins is one of those guys. Like they slowly, but surely they're putting them together. You know, it's just, you know, a lot of the guys that are injured are, are kind of guys that you're looking to move before the season's out anyways you know Hina Stroza is probably one of them Miller's definitely one of them sure you know you know Opozo like he's been great all year like that sucks that he's out hopefully it's not a concussion thing that Don Granato said it wasn't so that's a good thing like you know because that, that hit he took into the boards was pretty wicked like that <laughs> that was a that was a pretty heavy hit against Ottawa so um, I'm glad it's not a concussion because that was my fear immediately you know anytime you see a guy going to the boards that hard like that like you're thinking like, oh, oh, that's that's the head, but it wasn't, so that's good. Um, but like, you know, the the little nagging injury stuff, you know, Bryson's out, you know, day to day, Gerson's day to day. It's just like it goes with the territory in hockey, but it's still it's just kind of like, man, come on, like give me something close to the 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 twelve forwards that you thought you were gonna see. Right. Give me the give me the six defensemen you thought you were gonna see. Now, I will say that with Miller being hurt, Matias Samuelson's gonna stick around for a while. He looks good. I was going to ask Tia you. Tia Samuels him. looks really good. And he was a guy. <laughs> I love the Samuelson progression. People did not like that pick when it was made because uh, he was a high second round pick. And a lot of people were hoping they were going to take a, a high skill forward at that spot. And they took Samuelson, who at the time was was viewed as a defensive defenseman, a heavy dude who just hits people. And, he you know, he's kind of a roughneck like. Okay, like I can get being upset about that, but he's he's turned into a tremendous skater. He's got a lot of offensive ability that you know maybe wasn't there bef- even before, even when he was playing at Western Michigan. Um, but he's still a heavy. Like he's still a guy that that hammers you when he hit, you know when he hits you, you know it, like, you know it immediately, and you're very not happy <laughs> about getting run over by a guy. Um, but he he plays so well in his end defensively. He's he's very strong there, and like, that's something they desperately needed. But He's not inept on the offensive side. Like he can carry it a little bit, but he makes a really good first pass. And he's turned into a guy that, like, now you can say, all right, now he's a guy we build around. Whereas, you know, a couple of years ago, you're thinking, like, I don't know where this guy fits into the, you know, they made the pick and, like, he's got a, enough history at USA Hockey or whatever. But, like, I don't know how he fits into how this team's trying to get built. Now, now you get it because he's good. He's, he's, I don't want to see him back at Rochester the rest of the year, as far as I'm concerned. Right. Uh, I, it's funny. Um, And by the way, he led the team in ice time a couple nights ago, too. So it's not like mm-hmm. they brought him up and they're just, uh, you know, let, playing him a little bit here and there. So I, I yeah. like that. It's kind of funny. You may as well bring up a Turka, too, and just make it a party because you got Quinn back up now. <laughs> you got Samuelson. Krebs is here. I mean, the last guy left in Rochester to read that you really want a good long look at is Paterka. But those are all the young guys. I actually, before we move on to our draft, 
we don't talk about Jeff Skinner much on this podcast. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we might, you know, mention him in passing and stuff, but I kind of want to ask you about him because I think he's played pretty well this year. He, the yes. goal scoring, the production is there. He's up to 14 goals. He's been, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we all know <laughs> how bad it got under Kruger, <laughs> yeah, you know, really concerned about this guy becoming, you know, an all time bust when it comes to his contract. Now, because of his contract, he's probably never going to have, you know, he's never going to be able to completely live up to that. Mm -hmm. That said though, again, he's got 14 goals this year. He leads the team in scoring. He's on the top line. He's playing pretty well. Him talking Thompson. That looks like a pretty good line. I don't know if Tate Thompson will be the center for them long-term, but Anyway, the guy has definitely bounced back from a very mm -hmm. rough stretch under Kruger, like everyone else seemed to mm -hmm. on this team. Yeah. But uh, what are your thoughts on him? Because I look at his play this year, and and I like it. What do you think? I it's it's amazing what can happen when you put the guy in the position to succeed. You know, <laughs> you know, like it sounds like it's such a basic thing to do, but it was so hard. For, for coaches to do here for whatever reason, like guys are, you know, it was Ralph and even Phil, you know, even Housley to a, to a bit of a degree were, were guilty of that. Like taking them and putting them on a depth line, you know, a third line, or even, you know, if Ralph's case, a fourth line or sitting them in the press box, insane. But, um, but you put a guy in a position where he can have success and he can do well and play with other guys who can handle the puck and pass the puck and do things positive offensively as opposed to well let me just throw it into the corner and go chase it like this is this is more what you see out of them you know the the, the shots are going in for him i mean he leads the team in shots no surprise no surprise there at all but like the shots are going in that's a, that's a key part and he's opportunistic like he's that's the way he's always been his whole career you know hop on a loose puck you know get a quick little dangle down low and then you know beat the goalie you know like that's that's how his career's been dangle, and he's dangled yeah, Joe talking <laughs> hockey talk again in hockey lingo. <laughs> Let me wait till I break out toe drag. I'll I'll get that one. On you, but, um, but like he's he, but he but he's being put in positions where he can where he can have success. Now, the one spot I don't like seeing him in is is the power play. I don't I don't know. It, he's never been a power play producer his entire career. Um, now he's getting those opportunities now because duh, of course he's he's an offensive guy. You want to put him in there, but that one three one setup like there's not really a place for him to work. He's not a big slap shot guy. So you're not going to put him on the, on the, on the sides. He's not necessarily a, a great passer. Uh, so you don't want him in that bumper spot in the middle, but like to me, put him right in front of the frigging net, let him do like, you know, dirt bag stuff that he's, he's good at doing. Like Skinner's really good at being a dirt bag. Okay. Like he drives everybody crazy. Um, but let him be a dirt bag down low on the power play. Let him get, let him, you know, let him bury rebounds. Let him do that kind of stuff. Let him be just like a total prick to, to whoever's trying to defend him down low. Like that's, that to me is the best spot for him. But, um, but like, he's always been an even strength scorer guy. Like that's, that's been his thing. His entire career is that he just scores at fives and that's what he does. Like that. He's really good at doing that. And now that they got him playing with guys that aren't Vlad Saboka, you know, like that, it's working. Wow. Weird. What a concept, you know, like <laughs> playing with guys that know how to, right. how to do things with the puck. That's so strange that he's having success. Yeah. It's, it's fun to watch him. And uh, like I said, just generally speaking, and we've talked about this before, man, they're, they're not going to win a lot of games, but you got these guys, these young kids are up now, enjoy them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and hopefully to get a little closer to, um, to health soon enough. By the way, one other thing too, because uh, I know a lot of people, Colin Miller, you mentioned it, you know, trade bait. 
for the deadline. The trade deadline this year is not to March 21st. So even if Miller's gone six weeks, that puts him back early March. So he'll at least have a handful of games to show that he's healthy, hopefully, anyway, before before the trade deadline. We'll expect him. Sure, I'm sure he wants out, too. Let's put it, oh, let's put it that way. I'm sure he's very eager to go somewhere I'm, where he might, <laughs> might, might make the playoffs. I'm sure he is as well. All right, let's end with our weekly ritual here, our starting five draft. Every week we take a pop culture or sports topic mm-hmm. and we just draft snake draft style five uh five for each of us last week we did 80s movie soundtracks and uh somebody broke a six-week losing streak someone wow. broke a six-week losing wow, streak. somebody knows how to, somebody got their first win wow that's cool. <laughs> i handle it with such class and humility <laughs> too ain't it let me, let I'm me, gonna do a touchdown dance every time I beat you by 50 points now. So let like, me just, let, just know let, that you've set that table. Let me recap. All right. So last week, 80s movie soundtracks. I went with Rocky Four, Purple Rain. I gotta look at my notes here. Footloose, Beverly Hills Cop, and Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Joe went with Top Gun, Flash Dance, Cocktails, Batman, and cocktail. Dirty one, Dancing. One drink, cocktail. Uh, cocktail. It's one. It's one drink. It's two, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, anyway, uh, I won we that poll. I won that 64 to, to 36. So that's pretty convincing win. Here's my take on it. I mean, it's not 85 to 15 or 90 to no. 10, but you know. It's almost impossible to lose that bad <laughs> unless you're unless you're me. Considering it's a category you gave me like a week in advance. Now I was like, well, I'm losing this one. I have no, I don't, I haven't said a chance. You had you had your notes and everything ready to go. So, I did, yeah. I did, I did, I did. Um, I needed that. I'm an 80s guy. I there's just certain ones you need to have. Like the Bills need to have this game Sunday. I need. I tried to, to throw this. you a softball with Van Halen songs, and you still blew it. Yeah, I blew it. I'm Van Hagar side. <laughs> I went. I went the Van Hagar route. That cost me big time. But anyway, so I, here's my take on that. I think you started really strong. I, I I liked Top Gun. I thought that was a good first overall pick. Um, I still think you should have took Purple Rain though. I think oh, that would have yeah. played a little bit better. Well, but I, Gun, most people voted. They said, "Well, he's got Purple Rain." That's it. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I was a little surprised. Consider the entire thing, everybody, please. I personally like Top Gun a lot, and I think that played pretty well, people. Flash Dance is a pretty good one and two. So your one and two were good. I think where it fell off for you was Cocktail and Batman. I'm not sure that those resonated that much. I don't think people associate. Now, I will say. Batman soundtrack is Prince. It is is pretty good. It is Prince, but it's kind of like Michael Jackson with Bad. Great album, but it's never going to be Thriller. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. I, I think that's how some fans would react to Batman, the soundtrack. I don't think people really associate the soundtrack. Even though you're right, it's a it's a it's a Joe Yurden good critical pick, but I'm not sure it was the commercial success that you needed for this. You're trying play. to get me to 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 you, you to bounce dog back the people. <laughs> you're trying to get me to talk down on the masses, and I will not do it. I let you do that. Yeah, and I do it all the time. You I do. Think there, that's why you lose. Dirty Dancing was a great late round steal, but I think. I think the damage was done with cocktail and Batman. Just my take. But anyway, I did break. Like I said, I broke a six-week losing streak. Joe had won the last six weeks in a row. My last win prior to last week was all the way back in mid-November. We did, <laughs> we did TV talk show host, and I only won that by a couple votes. I won that 51 to, to 49. That's so. a joke that you won it, too. Yeah. That's a joke that you won it. <laughs> I think you also only set that poll to last for one day. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I might come on, you that. rigging bastard. Come on. <laughs> I, I, I might've done that. And, uh, whatever. But anyway, so this week <laughs> I'm going to try to get, I'm going to try to get a winning streak going here this week. We're going to do musicals. I am up first. And, uh, 
look, some of these, I, I'm not going to even try to draw it out here. Some of these to me are just no brainers. Now, I don't know how this is going to play out with, with fans, mm -hmm. but for me personally, this is a no brainer. It's not only my favorite musical of all time, it's my favorite movie of all time. If we were doing all time movies, this would probably be my first pick. Greece. Okay, you got to put your money where your mouth is on the all time movies thing, okay? Because like, we're that's that's now a future category. All time it will movies. Be. It okay. Will be. All right. Okay. Well, Just... I'm I'm taking Greece, man. Okay. I love Greece of 1978. T Birds, mm -hmm. Pink Ladies, Danny Zuko, Kaniki, Sandy, Liz. Best dancing, best songs, best everything. This that's for everything. me, wow. that's everything. I love it. What's not to love, man? It's a it's a movie I... about the 50s, high school. Bunch of cool dudes, all, all the hot chicks, best musical acts, best everything. The dancing is unbelievable. The music is unbelievable. Yeah, it's not the greatest acting, but again, I was on the come no up. Musical has great acting. Actually, hold on, I just said I was on the come up. I was practically a baby when this first came out. <laughs> but I do remember as I got older, I remember being on a swing set in the 80s sometime and mm -hmm. singing Oh Sandy, Oh Sandy by John Travolta. <laughs> thinking I was singing to to Olivia Newton-John. Olivia Newton-John was to share this publicly, you know. I, I <laughs> Olivia Newton-John was my first ever celebrity crush, and that's fair. You know, on the posters, you used to get fan posters, mm -hmm. and they would have the address, which is pretty much the publishing company of the. I hand wrote letters thinking Olivia Newton-John would get it. That's how much uh, I was obsessed with her, and that's how much I love this movie, man. and again, or this musical. So for me, mm -hmm. this is just this is butter, man. This is easy. It has to be Greece. It, it, it couldn't be anything else for me. So that's what I'm going with, man. Okay. My, my okay. man's on the clock now. He's I mean, to. listen, I can't argue it. Like it's gonna. One of us was taking it, no matter what. Like you can't not pick Greece. My my view on Greece is skewed from from doing musicals in high school because every year, every year, the like there's like you know five to ten girls that would be like, we got to do Greece, we got to do Greece, and I'm like, okay, listen, we a we go to a Catholic school. Okay, like that immediate non-starter. B, there's only three dudes that do theater here, period. Like, well, I don't know what you're thinking. We're going to do with Greece with three dudes and one of them being me who can't sing. Like, that, absolutely. It's never happening. Like, they were just, well, come on, we got to do it. I was like, we're not doing freaking Greece. Like, get lost. Like, I just got, I got so overhearing about Greece. I just, eh, enough already. So that, like, even if you, like, if I was picking it, it would have been like Dirty Dancing where I'm picking it at the end. If somehow it didn't get picked by then, so like a fine grease. Okay. okay. Like it just because I have to take it. Joel's you have spicy. to take it at that point. But that's <laughs> right, but well, again, got, like my view you. is ruined from doing musical Understood. theater where I just Understood. I just I I'm over. I'm over grease. I'm over grease. Which is why I'm glad you stayed away from the these next two, because I think you left me a very wide open door to romp on you. Because I'm taking, with my next two picks, I'm taking West Side Story and Hamilton. I don't think I need to explain West Side Story. It, that, to me, is one of the is the one of the all-time greatest musicals. It's the story, like, the story does not go away. Like, that's a story that lasts forever. I sure. mean, like, Spielberg just did it. Like, I mean, when Spielberg's doing a musical and he picks West Side Story, like, okay. That's that's a really good one, and but like the the songs, the whole story, everything about it is so good. Um, and Hamilton, like Jesus Christ, it's been the biggest musical for the last what? I don't even know how long, man. Like it it feels like it's been around for twenty years at this point because it's constantly talked about. 
<laughs> and it sells out everywhere. The traveling show sells out everywhere. Like it was just in Buffalo now for like what the last month or so. And like every, every showing is just loaded. And if you can Great take a, rap songs too. I, yeah. I, like I the only watched it for the first did, time a year and a half ago. It was amazing. It's not that old either, by the way. Yeah, no, it, but, but it feels like it's been around it forever does, because yeah, it's yeah, talked yeah. about all the time. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda did such a good job with making, being able to take the American revolution and a guy who is, you know, Alexander Hamilton, who was, you know, a key figure of the revolution, but like, wasn't George Washington. He wasn't John Adams. He wasn't any of those guys. He was just, Hamilton was kind of a prick, really. Like he, he kind of sucked. But like he's just he's just kind of a crappy dude. But like he he took the the Chernow novel and made it into a musical and made it something that's like a cultural phenomenon at this point. It's it's wild. It's wild that people are like nuts about a musical about the revolution, and it's like about one guy who's part of the revolution. Like it's it's wild. It's absolutely wild. So. You left me that you like you left it sitting there on the plate for me to take so I can now beat your head in by a, by a million votes. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. We'll see. <laughs> I, I, I got two. I got two now. Um, All right. I, I, I went with something really old. 1978 Greece. The first time I'm going to mm-hmm. go with something significantly more recent with my second pick. And that's the greatest showman. And again, this is another movie that quite frankly, Joe, I had never this came out and I don't even know what year it came out. It came out in 2017. Mm-hmm. I did not watch this until late 2019. I don't know what it is, why it takes so long. I'm so behind the curve when it comes to watching shows and stuff, but mm-hmm. this just blew me away, man. One of the greatest soundtracks I've ever heard in my life. And I did not know Zach Efron had any type of talent like that. Cause what, I don't know what he was on. He, he became a star because of high school musical. Maybe was, was, was that what he was on? Sounds right. I don't Maybe. know. But, yeah, I don't know. He was great. Hugh Jackman is obviously amazing. Yeah, Hugh Jackman um, rules. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at the soundtrack. Though. I mean, The Greatest Show, This Is Me, Never Enough. Uh, from now on, I love that song, by the way. Million Dreams, Rewrite the Stars, which again was with Zach Efron. I, I knew he could sing a little. I didn't know he could sing that good, man. And mm-hmm. that's Zendaya. Chick. I love her. This is a great movie, and I think it's going to stand the test of time. As, uh, as the years go on, this will... It won't ever get dated. So I, I love this okay. movie. And then speaking of, I'm going to go back to old school here. I'm looking at uh, my notes. I'm going to go Phantom of the Opera. I, I, that's, okay. Uh, that's okay. Again, it, it's hard to hate. It's very, it's impossible to hate. You can't came out in the mid eight. Andrew Lloyd Webber, um, mm-hmm. music of the night. One of my favorite songs. I saw this on, I don't remember where I saw it. Not live, but I mean, I saw the play version of it. And then I also saw there's a movie version of it. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but it was with a younger, and I don't think he was that famous at the time, Gerard Butler. And oh. uh, no, I haven't and, seen that. And the chick from um, Shameless, the one who plays Fiona, I, for, I forgot her name. Up oh, in my head. yeah. But she was uh, the lead. She was the lead actress in this. And yeah, uh-huh. I didn't think all that much of her in Shameless, quite frankly, but she was really good, man. I really, I like the story. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I like everything about this. So, I feel confident in saying that. I want to go so far to say you're whooping my ass, by the way. Well, I mean, no, look, listen, Phantom of the Opera is a great, classy pick. Like, that's, that's, it is classy. It's, 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 it's it's way more above board than I thought you were capable of. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Um, Honestly, stunned that you took Phantom of the Opera. I was like, okay, (laughs) Pat, Pat, Pat maybe did some homework here. Like, okay. Oh, I did my homework, man. (laughs) Well, you you, got two now. You called me out saying, I, I, I don't know. I'm not classy or something like that. 
prick. <laughs> you don't know musicals. Oh yeah. Well, guess what, pal? Uh, again, you've you you made some good picks. Greatest Showman. I don't. So you don't like either of my first two picks. Let's just be honest. Here. Yeah, well, I, no, I I respect they, Greece. Neither of them. Neither of them were probably in your top five. Let's I, be res- I respect Greece. I just don't like it. That's that's and that's I, I have feel about you I've too. explained my reasons for that. So that's how I, I feel about you too, the music group. I don't really care for you two's okay. music, but everyone in the world seems to like them and you gotta respect them. So whatever. Okay. But I love Greece. All right, you got two, uh, man. All right. So you went classy, I'm gonna go classy. Okay. You went you went old school, I'm gonna go old school here because um these these next two I these are so good. These shows are incredibly good and they've gotten, well, one of them's gotten uh, a modern movie made of it to, to kind of bring that back to the forefront. And that's Chicago. Good. Uh, Chicago's yeah. Chicago's a dynamite show. Like that's a, that's a really good show. Um, it's again, it's impossible to dislike it. It's just such a, it's such a strong performance out of everything. The songs are memorable. Everything about it's really good. I agree. It's um, a good pick. The, uh, my other one, definitely more old school and this is one i wish we did in high school and it's guys and dolls mm. guys and dolls is a it's the best version of that is with frank sinatra like that i mean i don't know if we're that guy right I'm going there. too old with that but um but like sinatra did a handful of musicals but like that's by far his best one like that his like the way he busts the songs out in that in that one is just it's all-time class like that's he's listen he's he he's Sinatra Sinatra. Like he's, he's an all time best. Sure. Um, but the way he pulls that, pulls that off and it's, you know, it's like, it's, you know, it's a whole gangstery kind of thing. And, um, you know, it's a fun story too. I, I love the, the story of guys and dolls, but like that, you know, but like when you hear Sinatra sing luck, be a lady tonight, Holy Jesus, man. Like that's like that, that is, it's awesome. that's worth it watching. Like worth watching the entire thing on its own, just to catch that, to catch that moment because it's such a such a, like that it's a song that's so good that sinatra made it his own basically yeah. like people are just like wow what a great song it is yeah it's from a musical guys like <laughs> you know but like guys the story of guys and dolls is so fun it's such a fun show and again i'm pained because we never got to do, we never did it back in the day and it was one that i wanted to do and i was like i'll learn how to sing try to, to try to get a lead role in that one <laughs> let me let me just give me a crack at it let me let me learn how to use this voice but I never did. I only use it for speaking, not singing, which is good because I can't carry a tune in a bucket. So yeah, guy, guys and dolls in Chicago. I'm uh, my take on your picks is uh, I'm 50, 50. I'm lukewarm on Chicago, similar to how you were when I picked the greatest showman uh, guys and dolls to me. I love that pick. That, mm-hmm. that that's a, uh, Thank that's, you. A, that's a winning pick, man. That's <laughs> definitely a winning pick. I really, it's one of those, like, what, what can you really say about it? Like, how could you, how could you say I, well, I don't know. Everyone has different, you know, tastes, yeah. but that's got to be on the list of top 10 list of literally everybody. If you take musical yeah. series, if you've watched enough of them, that, that needs to be on any top 10 list. All right. I got two more here. I got to make a count. Got to make it sound. You a do. Count. I'm in for a dog fight. Uh, a battle. All right. So I'm going to go. Uh, I'm looking at my list here. I'm going to go with Moulin Rouge. That's going back almost 20 years. Now, it doesn't seem like it's been out for 20 years, but okay. 20 years, or at least the version I'm talking about with uh, Ian McGregor and Nicole Kidman. I'm okay. Nominated for eight Oscars, by the way, included Best Picture. Mm-hmm. I'm not a Nicole Kidman fan. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not, to be honest with you, but I loved her in this. I thought she was spectacular. Let me throw a quick fun fact at you, too, that I didn't know until I was I was doing a little bit of homework on this. And there I go with my head, jerking my head again. I just caught myself <laughs> on video doing that. But anyway, um, the part of Christian, which, of course, played by Ian McGregor, you know, actually auditioned for that, and it, he didn't get it, obviously. Leonardo DiCaprio auditioned for that role. Wow. And did not get it. It went to Ian McGregor. My biggest shock was that Leonardo DiCaprio had to audition for anything. Yeah, but right. I, but I guess going back 20 years ago, maybe he had to, and especially for, you know, a musical. But anyway, I, I love I love the soundtrack. I, I love the story. It's a great musical. And then for my last pick here, I don't know, man, because some people might consider this a joke, but I'm dead serious. Little Shop of Horrors, all the way back oh, in the mid-80s. That, that's good. Great, great musical. The movie version is excellent. I still go around. I, I let, let me be honest with you, Joe. I, I picked this because of the movie version. All right. <laughs> if you think I've sat there and watched this on stage and came to this conclusion, you're nuts. It's because of the movie, man. Uh, I still go around to this day saying, feed me sometimes uh, when I'm starving. <laughs> Rick Moranis was great. Uh, Ellen mm. Green as Steve Marjorie was, was awesome. Great. What a great, yeah, Steve Martin and John Candy and uh, Jim Blue, Bill Murray at the dentist. That was awesome, yeah. too. The whole scene, he just loved the pain. <laughs> Christopher Guest, there was a lot of yeah. good cameos in that, man. Um, so yeah, I, I feel confident about those. I don't know how I'm gonna do, but Moulin Rouge, Little Shop of Horrors. I don't know I, if I won it, but I don't think I lost it with either of those. I, picks. I feel like you've leaned very heavily on movies, like movie, movie, well, of course, versions. I did. Okay. Of course I did. I, I have to, don't I? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I thought you were, I thought you were a guy with class and would have gone to the theater a lot. So oh, you believe this shit about class. <laughs> Come on. I, I, I took it to heart. God damn it. Okay. I have no class. I, I was just joking. All right. Well, you got to end this though, man. Are you getting strong? That's well, uh, yeah, I'm, there's one that neither of us have picked yet. Um, that is again, an all timer. It's it's an all timer. Now the movie version, this is probably not as good, but the stage version is an all timer, and it's Les Misérables. Les Misérables. You have to you have to say it in the most French way possible. Les Misérables. Can I give you um, a hot take before you even describe okay. why you picked this? Let me give you a quick hot take. Okay. I would have picked this. Do you know why I didn't pick it? There's only one why? reason why I didn't pick it. Why? Because of what you just said. <laughs> I can't fucking. <laughs> Pronounce it properly. <laughs> it's less miserables to me. <laughs> the only reason uh, why I didn't pick that. I love this fucking musical. Then pick it. Just, just stumble yeah. over the name and just pick I it. This is going to cost you now. See, this is this is how it's going to work. Why? Because people the whole time they're going to look at our list and go, "Who? Who? Why didn't you pick? Le oh, Joe took Le Miz. Okay. Well, all right. Joe wins. <laughs> Easy. But why did you take it? It's, it's just so. It's such an incredible drama. It's everything about it. And like, even the, even the film version of it, not, I mean, it's not great. It's not my thing, but like, you, I mean, you're getting Russell Crowe in there involved and it's just kind of like, he could sing and it's like, yeah, he can kind of sing. He can do it a little bit, but like everything about, I mean, and it's, again, it's, it's a dire story. Like it's a, it's a very dire story. It's mm -hmm. a, you know, it's a period piece kind of thing. Uh, you know, French, French revolution, I think. If I'm, if I'm correct, I don't know. I might, it might be very, might be very wrong on that. I can't like, verify that. Yeah, <laughs> not off the top of my head. Anyway, we're, I mean, we're very well cultured here, Pat. <laughs> See, this is this is where we're at. Um, but like the the show itself, and anytime 
I was, you know, doing theater stuff. It was talked about like when you got past all the grease nonsense, Les Mis was the show that everybody was like, Oh my God, I love it. Like, you know, I was torn between Les Mis and Rent, but Rent is extremely dated now. Like Rent is like a time capsule musical. Like that was like, that was like a late eighties, nineties period thing. It doesn't, I don't know that it really stands up anymore. Like Mm -hmm. people love the show. Like it's a great show, but like, if you put that on now, people will be like, wow, Rent. Okay. All right. Fine. But like a show like Les Mis stands the test of time. And like, and if you got people that can pull off the big songs in that one, Oh man, you got it. You've got an absolutely killer show. Like that's, it's just like an all time, like class performance. Like if you can pull off, if you can pull off acting and singing in Les Mis, you, you've really accomplished a lot as far as, as far as I'm concerned, because every, you have to be extremely talented to do all these shows, like without a doubt, but Les Mis is, is, is hard. Like that's hard, emotional work and song singing and the whole the whole nine like everything about it is just such a powerful thing and like you know it's it's from a period where like americans aren't all that familiar with but like the fact that it plays so well here says a lot about it so yeah pronounce it one more time les miserables so elegant (laughs) that's as eloquent as i'll ever get all right here's the recap (laughs) folks as we're getting out of here let me recap the draft one more time I took Grease, The Greatest Showman, Phantom of the Opera, Moulin Rouge, Little Shop of Horrors. Joe Yurden takes West Side Story, Hamilton, Chicago, Guys and Dolls, and that movie that he just said, that musical. Les Miserables. <laughs> Man, I'm probably going to get my ass off. All right, Vegas has this. You getting 58%. That's that's the Vegas line. Right now. Okay. Vegas has you winning getting 58 percent. that's that's what sources are telling me okay i like your sources all right this was fun as always thank everyone for listening make sure you follow me on twitter at pamaran tweets subscribe to the podcast apple spotify and again go to youtube talk buffalo podcast youtube channel make sure you subscribe there check joe out on his podcast maintenance day lance lazowski it drops every monday noted hockey Substack. follow joe on twitter at Joe Yurden. As always, this was fun. Next week, win or lose, it's going to be a very spirited show because I'm mm-hmm. either going to be in the best mood ever or I'm going to be in the worst mood ever. But I'll look forward to talking to you like I always do, man. Thanks for doing the pod, buddy. Absolutely. And I'm prepared to do the emotional labor of handling you next week. 